Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you on a Tuesday afternoon after the Celtics drop an insane, a wild game to the New Orleans Pelicans in which they came back from 17 points only to lose uh, in the end, Evan Fournier in his Celtics debut drops an offer going over 10, being clearly outplayed by Luke Cornett at this point. Uh, people are very, very upset, uh, at least in the local media, about Marcus Smart uh, because he turned in one of the funniest highlights I think I've ever seen, just the throwing a half court heave for no reason after a, a jump ball with 0.3 seconds left on the shot clock. For the Pelicans, not for the Celtics. Uh, and then he got ejected at the end of the game. Local radio is having a field day. Um, but you know me, guys. Sports positivity. The vibes have changed on this team. I'm feeling pretty good about the Celtics after the trade deadline. They turned in a damn good performance against the Bucks on Friday night. They won the second night of a back-to-back uh, and had a dominant fourth quarter against the Thunder, who, albeit, are not the greatest roster. But they won the second night of a back-to-back. And then I think this Pelicans game was a huge outlier, and I'm giving them credit for the process of coming back from 17 down. Uh, I just don't think it was as bad a loss as everyone else thinks. Jay, you are here. I am sunshine. You are rain. Uh, Time to rain on my parade. Why am I wrong? Well, I don't know if you're wrong. There's there's a chance that the Celtics will benefit from the trade and get the jolt that Danny Ainge wanted when he acquired Evan Fournier and Cornette and Mo Wagner. But (laughs) I don't think at this stage of the season, after all that we've seen, it's right to be optimistic after the Celtics fell behind the Pelicans, a non-playoff team in the West, by 17 points at home and failed to beat New Orleans. That is not what should be the bar for this team. And yes, Eric Bledsoe won't always shoot four for eight from the three-point arc. And yes, Josh Hart and Alexander Walker won't always combine to make six threes. But (laughs) the Celtics Celtics offense, yeah, but that was a factor. I thought of just abominable Celtics offense. They, they weren't passing the ball. They were settling for garbage shots they stagnated and then their offense has been pretty good recently before that, but it was just a horrible disjointed performance from the offense. I thought, and not just Fournier, it was the whole team. So I wasn't as optimistic about I don't that think one. The offense was that were. bad. It feels like they've really emphasized the three point revolution. We've seen them. That just is a good thing. Threes. That is a good thing. They took 43 threes against the Pelicans. It's just happened that Marcus Smart went 0 for 6. Uh, Evan Fournier went 0 for 5. And Kemba went 2 for 9. And so I thought they got a lot of good. They weren't bad threes. They just didn't happen to fall. They all also, Jalen Brown was hurt, their second best scorer this season. And obviously their offense struggled. I thought there was actually some good moments when they played 
Robert Williams and then Fournier came in and they surrounded him with shooting. We saw Marcus, like they moved the ball side to side. We saw Marcus Smart either get to the rim or get lobs to Robert Williams. I think there's signs of this team being dynamic. It just happens that Evan Fournier missed all his shots. I, he had some open ones. He just missed them. He, he was long on all of them, and then he seemed to adjust for it. He was missing badly. I don't know if that – I don't think that's indicative of what Evan Fournier is going to provide the team. He did have to fly from Orlando to Boston to Oklahoma City to f- have a false positive and then have a crazy stretch. I'm giving him all the excuses in the world just because he's uh, the new guy, but I don't know. I just don't – I think that game was a clear outlier and – Generally, I thought the Celtics played pretty well, especially in the first half. It just happened in the first half. The Pelicans were even better from three point land, shooting 60%. Like, I thought they played a pretty solid first half um, defensively. They just happened to give up our Bledsoe, Alexander Walker, and Kira Lewis knocked down some threes. They obviously kind of had this weird moment where they fell apart in the third quarter. So the Celtics or so the Pelicans could build up that big lead. Part of that was just. Tatum missed some layups in transition. Aaron Neesmith was doing some stuff in transition. Cornette had like a turnover here or there. And then they struggled to stop Zion. You know who else struggles to stop Zion? Every other basketball team in the history of time. The man is, I mean, he's unstoppable. He has 95% of the shots are in the paint. He's shooting what, like 80% from the field this year? No one can stop Zion. And so if you combine Zion with a crazy outlier uh, three-point performance from the Pelicans, you're likely going to lose that game. To your point about the offense, I do think they're starting to form some sort of identity on that end. The last six games, they're leading the league in three-point attempts at about 44 per game, which is a huge step for a team that has been behind on the three-point evolution this season, partly because of personnel, but also I think just because of mentality. And so I think that's actually a big step. And I think especially after getting Fournier and now having the ability to play more wing-oriented, perimeter-oriented lineups and shifting some of the the talent from the front court to the perimeter, like that's what they need to be. They need to be get out, play fast, shoot threes, and then use the spacing to get to the basket and find Rob Williams for dunks. And I think we've seen some some shades of that, some stretches of that lately, which is more than you can really say for the entire season. And, you know, now with Fournier, the Celtics have at least four guys. If you want to throw Marcus Smart in there, fine. But four guys who are high-volume high percentage three-point shooters and and they can all play together which is important and then surround them around Robert Williams this could be a high-flying offense it should be a high-flying offense when the Celtics are healthy and I think they have taken steps toward becoming more of that lately which is a good thing now the defense has to be fixed um that's been an issue all season, especially the last two months or so. But to your point, I I do feel like there's there's something there and beginning to come to fruition offensively. Yeah, I think the it's just the added spacing, like no more two big lineups. It's just they're gonna benefit from that. I don't think Fournier is gonna be 0 for five, but there's two highlights in from the Pelicans game that I feel like I we have not seen all year from the uh Celtics Jason Tatum gets trapped throws it to the roll man in one instance it was Robert Williams who throws it to the opposite quarter knocks down a three the other one was Luke Cornett opposite quarter knocks down a three that's just not the type of ball movement we've seen from the Celtics really at all this year you are really positive you are I'm telling you the vibes the vibes have changed man like I was I was laughing after that Marcus Smart highlight. Like, if you didn't laugh at that Marcus Smart thing, if you were on uh, local radio right now, scranting and raving about that Marcus Smart heave, what, you were What was the, the local radio sentiment about Marcus? Oh, uh, that he's a like, too much of a wild card. It's the dumbest decision ever, that he cost him the game because of that, that he needs to be reined in. 
He had, he's like not under control. He flops too much. Um, and like he thinks he, he thinks he's better than he is. Just like utter, utter nonsense. And it's just like, it's the same people will be like, Brad needs to fire up this team, but also Marcus Smart needs to play with and be calmer. It's just people want to be upset. The fans want to be upset. That's why local radio is good because it uh, succeeds because their entire business model is just let's say whatever we can to upset the fans. It's like the Howard Stern thing. People will listen to you for five minutes, but if they're angry at you, they'll listen for 20 minutes. It's just, uh, it's pure nonsense. I think the team is just, it's generally trending in the right direction. I think we go back to Friday night, Robert Williams' first start. He almost puts up, what, he has five blocks and just has his best game as a, a starter. I think just like playing these players better, I think it's going to do, uh, just you're going to get better results. I truly think this Pelicans game is an outlier and the offense just launching threes. They How many threes did they make against the, um, was it the Thunder game or the Bucks game where they were just unbelievable from three-point land? Like that is what the key to the Celtics offense is, is taking and making a lot of threes. There's going to be some games where um, the, clearly they don't drop, but I don't like that is when the Celtics have been a good team, they have been able, they've been efficient and knocked down and high volume three-point shooting team. I just feel like they're trending in a better direction, at least on the offensive end. Defensively, I will give you that they have not tur- like turned in a full 48-minute performance, but I think they've, uh, increased their intensity and shown they like an ability to defend. And you're right. They just need to do it for 48 minutes. The positive vibes are flowing more, more positive vibes. Fournier taking a three on his first touch with the Celtics was electric. It was, it was awesome. Like literally he checks in off the bench, comes around a screen like three seconds later and instantly fires, not a dribble, not a breath wasted. Do you think it was a design fire. play for him to get like get that shot? I maybe I I don't really care about whether it was a design <laughs> play. I care more that he was just ready to fire. Um the rest of the game, you know, forgettable. Forgettable. Not it kind of brought me back to Isaiah Thomas's debut. Where he got ejected. Yeah, where he got ejected. He was like pretty dominant against the Lakers, and then he got ejected in like overtime, right? Yeah. Or was it late in the fourth quarter before overtime? I don't really remember. Um, and I think Brad was like kind of pissed. Like he didn't know Isaiah at the time. And, Talk about and, a strong first impression. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So, you know, Isaiah, his debut didn't end great. Fournier's didn't end great either, so I think he's probably going to be fifth at MVP voting in a couple of years. <laughs> it could happen. King of the fourth, new king of the fourth. King of the uh, fourth. Fournier. Hornier for Fournier <laughs> is what everyone's saying. Uh, I don't the think other, everyone is saying that. Most people are saying that, or uh, they're saying Hornier for Fournier. Uh, what do you think about Luke Cornette? Like, completely shocking that he turned in these two performances. No, apparently he's a knockdown three-point shooter. Brad Stevens said after the Thunder game that like they've been in love with Cornette since his workout uh, with the Celtics. He went undrafted, so clearly they weren't in love with him enough to kind of waste a second-round pick on him. But he's a, a stretch big who's a seven-footer. I don't – I have zero expectations for him or Wagner, but I just like if he can continue just picking and popping – like that's a he seems to be a better shooter than Tice. That's just a dynamic that the Celtics did not have uh on this team uh, See, at all I'm this just, season. I'm just not sure he's a better shooter than Tice. I think if he actually were a very good shooter, it would, he would be play awesome. more than he he'd any. play more and he'd be like the rare seven foot shooter. But I think he's like 34% from three for his career. So he's shot it well so far for the Celtics. Maybe he'll keep that going. Maybe he just needed more of a chance. But he's not a guy who has typically shot the ball well, even though he's willing to shoot it. I That said, he's been really, really good. And, I mean, there were obviously moments, especially in the second half of that Pelicans game, where he got caught in bad situations and was out on the perimeter against Zion. And it's like, good luck. Good good luck, Luke Cornett against Zion Williamson, 18 feet away from the basket. 
help's not there in time because Zion is the most athletic human who's ever lived. But, you know, he also, in the first half, challenged, I think, three Zion layups and forced misses, which is not a lot of guys do that. Zion is the best finisher alive, including Giannis, including everybody. So I, I think Cornette has been promising over the first couple of games and especially for a guy who there was talk about maybe he'd get waived for Andre Drummond for him to become part of the rotation pretty quickly is interesting at the very least and possibly helpful although Tristan Thompson will come back soon and Luke Cornett may never play again yeah it's (laughs) when Tristan Thompson comes back I don't expect Luke Cornett to be part of the rotation but he could be a solid third big and who can do a little bit of pick and pop, just change. Uh, It's something that Robert Williams doesn't really do. It's something that Tristan Thompson absolutely doesn't do. And so who knows? Maybe, maybe that will work out. I just uh, having no expectations for a guy and then having him come in and being a Zion stopper and a Morris Brown stopper, I think is just uh, Moses, Moses Brown, Moses Brown. I apologize. Who's Morris Brown? That's a good question. Is that the lead singer for the time? I don't know who the time is. You know, Prince's band. I still don't know who the time is. Um, you don't know the time? Uh, no, that's Morris Day. My bad. Uh, that's, that's Sorry, I apologize for that. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Something you mentioned was that you thought Cornette might get waived and so the Celtics could sign Andre Drummond. A lot of, there was a big Drummond sweepstakes. It's basically like the decision 2.0 where he's going around saying he's interested in a lot of teams. He ends up with the Lakers. I guess what's your reaction to that signing or the lack of signing? Is it just another case of all the national media loves to say it? Danny Ainge just whiffing on a guy, not being able to get in the big the big hall that is Andre Drummond and his 52% from the restricted area? I, I mean, I, I, I don't think it was a case of Danny Ainge whiffing. I do think that the Celtics wanted Drummond, thought they had a – reasonable chance at least of getting Drummond and I I I mean if if you're Drummond why would you pick Boston where they already have Robert Williams who deserves more time and Tristan Thompson is going to get time when you can go to the Lakers and contend for a title and maybe have a bigger role like it, it just to me the the decision was obvious and and from the Celtics perspective Kind of think they dodged a bullet with this one because Drummond, like, you can convince yourself on the potential. He's huge. He offensive rebounds like a banshee. He could potentially become something better than what he's been, but he's had a lot of bad habits throughout his career. He's never been a super impact player when it comes to actually winning games. And in the Celtics situation, I just think if if they had signed Andre Drummond, like it's not a big enough acquisition that it would have turned them like totally transformed their chances in the playoffs. And it would have taken minutes away from Robert Williams. It would have probably pissed off Tristan Thompson, who I think is like already kind of pissed off reportedly about playing time or like Yeah, but I I feel like he's he's a leader. And when leaders are pissed off, they can go in the wrong direction. At least that's that's my sense of Tristan Thompson, that like he has leadership qualities and kind of guys gravitate toward him. So his energy dictates the energy of the rest of the team. And so bringing in a guy 
to compete with him for minutes doesn't make sense. I agree with you. I was not in my head the entire time thinking that not signing Drummond is probably a good thing for the Celtics. But can you tell that? This is me lashing out at the media uh, earlier in the week. Can you tell that to your friends, Dave Dufour and Black Trey, who said on the Daily Ding that it was a, a just a, a swing and a miss for the Ainge for not getting a big guy who could stop Zion Williamson? Why is the local media dumb and your friends and the national media? I'm saying that now, but I like uh, Trey and Dave. I've just, uh, you know, got to play a character, got to be an asshole. Uh, like, I just don't see why that's, um, like why that's the narrative that like the Celtics need a, an additional big guy or that Drummond would at all add something to the Celtics. It feels like they, they recruit, like reconstructed their roster to get smaller, to have more wings, bringing in another big just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. So defend your friends. I, first of all, those, those two guys are great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to slander them. Subscribe are, to the Athletic NBA Show and the Daily Ding. They are fantastic people on on top of being very good at talking about basketball. I I disagreed with their points about Drummond. I disagree with their assessment that the Celtics needed another big man. I think it's been obvious this whole season that the Celtics' biggest problems have been on the perimeter behind especially behind their key players i think even the key players have gotten probably frustrated that there hasn't been as much talent around them and that guys haven't been able to make plays and make shots around them to make make life easier for tatum brown kemba all those guys so i thought the fournier addition was was smart was helpful um long term i know that some people have concerns about like what the direction of the Celtics franchise is. And I, I think that's fair, but I think from a standpoint of adding a talent this year, like Fournier makes all sorts of sense as a fit. Um, and they only gave up two second round picks to get him. So the better buyout acquisition to me, like as I surveyed the landscape at the trade deadline, would have been like an auto Porter. He hasn't like, been bought out. Yeah, I know, but if, <laughs> he he's with the Magic, and if 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 he had gotten bought out, like that would have been that type of player, a bigger wing with size to give the Celtics more versatility and a little size because they're going to be small on the wing. Like they were small last year when they started Gordon Hayward. Evan Fournier has more size than the guys the Celtics have been playing off the bench, but he's like kind of skinnier, six seven guy um, without a huge wingspan. So. They could use, I think, a power forward type. Um, but as far as another center, like play Rob Williams, play Tristan Thompson, who's fine, even though he hasn't been, I thought, at the level of Tice. Um, Tristan Thompson is fine as your backup big. Like he can give you a solid 20 minutes of energy, offensive rebounding. And you don't really need more than that. I don't like the thing about a buyout person like Otto Porter is where is he? Fitting in, it feels like you already have five wing guys uh, plus Robert Williams. Like, where in your rotation, who is he taking minutes from? And it's basically the only answer is Grant Williams. And so, is Otto Porter an upgrade from Grant Williams or Shemi Ojale at this point? Uh, probably. I mean, he's he's definitely a a better shooter, um, and I think that matters keeping keeping the space floor spaced and. I mean, I don't know whether he's better than those guys, but to me, like that's the type of player the Celtics should have been targeting rather than another big man. Um, and I, like, as far as stopping Zion goes, the guy has scored like twenty nine points a game on seventy percent shooting over his last twenty some odd games, right, or something ridiculous like that. Like nobody stops him. It doesn't matter if you have fucking Dennis Rodman. Ron Artest, Draymond Green, like they're not going to stop Zion Williamson from getting to the bucket. It's just not going to happen. So, but Celtics, they need work. Their defense needs work. They uh, they need to be sharper. Like the Celtics did a pretty good job of slowing Zion down, at least during the final four minutes of that. Um, I thought they did a pretty Elkins good job game. on him the whole game. Um, they tried to force other guys to make them pay and those guys did which isn't always going to happen but 
I mean, there was a stretch in the third quarter where I thought they had some breakdowns and he got some easy buckets, but that's what he does. I thought first half they were awesome on Zion. I thought down the stretch they were really good on Zion. They got Marcus Smart guarding, and Marcus Smart's probably giving up like 70 pounds in that matchup. And so that's it's Marcus a, Smart, who took some charges and got called for that ridiculous uh, when Eric Bledsoe spun into him and fell down and got called for a charge there. I thought Marcus Smart was like pretty good on Zion and just they only scored five points uh, in the final four minutes. There was that one step back crossover from Brandon Ingram, which was impressive. It's just like a very good shot. I thought Tatum did a decent job to recover and contest. And then all of the other three points were just came from free throws uh, late and the technical from Marcus Smart getting ejected. And so I don't know. I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job of slowing him down. I'm I positive. Feel like, I feel like you're you're positive, except you're angry about the anger out there. Oh yeah, I'm enraged by the rage. I just think it's stupid. Like Marcus Smart, all the blame goes to Marcus Smart uh, after that game. And I, you know who's you know who's really to blame for all of this Marcus Smart narrative today and my rage, John Corrales. John Corrales after the game. In the scrums, asked Ev- Brad, he asked Tatum, and he asked Kemba Walker about, well, we see the ups of Marcus and we see the downs of Marcus, and boom, a narrative was started. And then all of a sudden, we have uh, people talking about Marcus Smart all day. I would say, okay, I'm going to take this back. It's not all on Corrales. It's 50% on Corrales and 50% on Marcus Smart for heaving that ball uh, after that uh, jump ball. I mean – but it just doesn't make sense to me why all like it was just clearly an outlier game and people are just incapable of any nuance uh, when talking about this team. Yeah, I mean, the the rage has taken on a, a life of its own and people are pissed off. But but I think people deserve to be pissed off about this team. Nope. Th- this team has earned the irritation and this team has earned all the frustration. Like if if this team had played with heart and soul and togetherness all season long and had been competitive and ha- had actually done things the right way and played good basketball, there would be the benefit of the doubt. But that doesn't exist for this team right now because this team has been a pile of dog food for a majority of the season. So like, like, I just don't get the rage of like you, we can't control what the Celtics players do. And so why are you so upset? I guess like, and frustrated, this is just goes back to my sports positivity crap. It's just like, there's no use in being like just furious at uh, Marcus Smart for, yeah, he was upset because he got boned by some calls. Here's a good uh, question. I think we haven't talked about yet. What did you think about Brad's? ATO basically designed to get a flop uh, at the end of the game. I thought it was genius. I love that. It was. It almost worked. It almost. It should worked. have worked. That was a foul. You, Mark, Stephen Adams ran over Marcus Smart. And I think that was what eventually convinced Marcus Smart to get ejected. So sometimes you win some with Marcus Smart. Sometimes you lose some. Smart almost almost saved the day with that play. But the the refs didn't give him that call. Um, the reason I think that people should back off this team is because the vibes have changed. You got to be a seasoned vibe checker to realize that since post All Star break, they made a trade. You could just tell in that Bucks game that things were going well. Robert Williams was the starter. You get some good Mo Wagner uh, energy. You get Luke Cornett knocking down threes. They win the second night of a back to back. They had a crazy comeback in this game. I just think the vibes are better, and you have to give this team some time. Check back in uh, after this next six games where they're at home. It's like clearly not the way you want to start the game, but like I don't know. I just don't think Evan Fournier is going to go for 10 again, and I don't think the their opponents – the Celtics are historically the best three-point defensive team in the league over like the past six years. I just don't think teams are going to continue to shoot 50% from three against them the vibes have changed if you're a seasoned vibe checker you'll know you should be positive right now process over results process the vibes are good the vibes have <laughs> been thoroughly unfucked 
you are remarkably confident that this team has changed things. Going around. for that four seed, baby. They're prime for a second round exit. This team is going to win their first round series and then lose in six to the Brooklyn Nets. Here's a, another question that NBA Twitter is all a flutter about. What did you think of LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin going to the Nets? Has the buyout market ruined basketball? This is one of the wilder takes I've seen in this industry in my lifetime. And, and, and there are wild takes on a daily basis. But to think that washed up Blake Griffin – and washed up LaMarcus Aldridge. Is Blake washed anymore, or was he pulling an old rope-a-dope? Well, let's let's check Blake Griffin's stats since he got to the Brooklyn Nets. Because he had a cool uh, no-look pass the other day. I thought that was pretty dope. And he, he dunked can, for the first time. He can definitely pass. Blake Griffin will always be able to pass. He'll be in a nursing home one day and able to pass the basketball. He is averaging eight points for the Nets. Four rebounds. His defense is a, going to be a problem for them in the playoffs, just like most of their players' defense. Same is with LaMarcus Aldridge. I just, the outrage over that is totally crazy to me. Like, like, yeah, Blake Griffin, if you can add Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge without losing any part of your team, you do it because. They've been great players. They have skill still. They have size. You do it. But the to think that the the power has has changed. The the league's power has tilted because those guys decided to sign in Brooklyn. Like, no, no, absolutely not. That has nothing to do with it. The league's power, if it is tilted, it's because those guys have James Harden. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. It has nothing to do with their 10th or 11th man, which I think Aldridge and Griffin will end up becoming. Um, and I, I just, I don't see people react to the name more than the game these days. And I think that's nice a phrase there. That was nice. Thank you. I, I came up with that one myself. I think that's a, a huge, huge sign that, that people are, are up in arms about two guys who probably won't make much of a difference when it really matters. These are guys who their old teams are paying them not to play for them. Like that is why they're on the buyout market. It makes zero sense that they're not going to tip the scales. Maybe LaMarcus Aldridge will pull a PJ Brown and hit a big shot in they, the Nets playoff They could series. help a little bit for but sure. Like, like The Nets are stacked because they have, they traded so much stuff for James Harden and are people upset about trades now? Like if, and I think Howard Beck had an article about like rival GMs are upset. Well, it's like, don't buy out those guys then. Like you are paying these players not to be on your team. If you didn't want like them to go to the nets, it's just a ridiculous argument. Blake Griffin is not going to make a, a huge difference. I don't, LaMarcus Aldridge is completely washed. Uh, I don't think either of those like guys are going to be solid defensively in the playoffs. It's just um, outrage all around. I outrage. thought Blake Griffin had the perfect response. They asked him about it. He's like, guys, all I've heard about all year is how I suck now. Like, like now all of a sudden people are saying this is totally unfair. Like, what are you talking about? It's He's absolutely right. He's a, a wise soul, that Blake Griffin. And so we shall see. And this is how it's always been. Guys have always been willing to chase rings uh, you think of david west when he signed with the warriors like gave up like what 10 million dollars or something to because he wanted a ring this older is, vets this want is to win it's always been something aldridge lost his job to Jakob purtle blake griffin was shooting 36 percent in detroit and not helping that team in the slightest so, and I don't know what the solution is. It's like if a buyout guys can't you they can't sign with the first place team in the league. Like you mandate that Blake Griffin has to sign with like a, a mid-tier team. It's just like he's a free agent and he made a decision. He wants to win a ring. Seems like playing in Brooklyn is gonna be fun. He's his friend DeAndre Jordan's there. Like I just there's no solution for it. 
people are just angry. I think people are just end just like fed up with the pandemic and just like want to be enraged about whatever happens. Whatever news story comes out, there's going to be a sizable crowd just being this saying this sucks. And that's just uh, where we are right now in, in the world of sports takery. That's why you need more people like me. Positive vibes only. I, <laughs> I, uh, I do think there might be something to the the Celtics offense, but but the how small they're gonna be, they're gonna have to be chucking threes, man. Like hell yeah, chuck away. They're gonna have to be pissing off so many people because every game there's like a a contingent of fans that show up. Like yeah, just keep shooting threes, just just keep shooting threes. Don't even get to the hoop. Uh, like I, I get all those fans in my mentions all the time people pissed off that the Celtics are shooting too many threes when really being able to generate good threes is a sign of a healthy offense. And so I think the lack of size at the four that they're going to have, they're going to be small a lot. They're they going to separate, they're going like, to separate themselves by shooting threes. That's we, how you take advantage of having skill everywhere on the court. You shoot threes, the court opens up, Robert Williams is open for dunks. Jason Tatum can get to the lane. Jalen Brown will have more opportunities to drive and to finish and to draw fouls. Those are all good things. And Someone's think, feeling the positivity. No, I just think that that's a possibility, <laughs> and that's the way they're going to have to play because they have perimeter length, like guard length, but they don't have – like their fours are going to be pretty small, whether it's Jalen Brown – or Jason Tatum. Doesn't it, but doesn't the like addition of Evan Fournier make it so you can play so many more lineups with Jason Tatum as your as your four? And like yeah, that but, is a good thing. We talk like he's not he's six ten and has crazy long arms. Like I don't think he's that small. I think he, and he's a damn good defender, more so off ball. Like who is the I thought that like with Fournier on the court, they have a much longer team, and I thought their defense is actually a little bit better just because at guard before it's like they're no longer going to have to play Kemba, Peyton Pritchard, Jeff Teague lineups. Shout outs to Jeff Teague uh, going to the Milwaukee Bucks right in the middle of the Teague-a-sons. The Teague-a-sons. Yeah, but like like Jalen Brown isn't a big four. Jason Tatum's not a big four. Evan Fournier definitely isn't a big four. Like those guys are just going to be giving up size to a lot of different opponents at that position. So that's like they got to fly around and play the same way they played last year when they made the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, they they do, but they haven't done that. And they haven't so, given them a chance. They haven't had one game with their full complement of this new roster. That's why you got to be positive. That's why you got to keep the good vibes going, just like we're going to do, and just like our good friends at Night Shift do every day when they produce their fine beverage, the Santilli IPA. It's the official IPA and beer of anything is potable. And, of course, they sponsor the Potable Six Pack where Jay and I pick the six best things or most interesting things to come from the last stretch of Celtics basketball games. And that's brought to you by Santilli and Night Shift. If you want to find out where you can get Santilli, go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder. And you can find out which stores hold or sell Santilli or any Night Shift beer. Also, if you're in the Boston area, Night Shift does deliver, and so you can get your Night Shift that way. Jay, since I'm such a positive guy, since I'm riding the good vibes, I'll give you first pick in the potable six-pack. I'm going with – what am I going with? There's an obvious choice. I'm going with Luke Cornett, man. That That's the obvious choice to me because Luke Cornett showed up. Nobody was really sure if he was going to even be on the Celtics for a while. And then, bam, Oklahoma City. Celtics are in trouble against a totally depleted Thunder squad on the road. Cornette hits a three. Cornette hits another three. The vibes were unfucked. <laughs> two, two days later, Cornette comes in, challenges Zion at the rim several times, being brave, brave soul. Cornette hits another three. It's just He's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. He hasn't been useless, and that's a pretty impressive development from a guy nobody was sure 
he would do anything for the Celtics. Yeah, and you saw how much like how hyped the bench was when he knocked down both of those threes uh, in the Thunder. Immediately, that was see your season vibe checker. You could tell that uh, things were going well. Uh, Great addition to Luke Cornett. We talked about him. We don't know what's going to happen, but um, that's not the obvious first pick. The obvious first pick is Marcus Smart heaving that ball. Like that's just laugh out loud funny to me. I just if you don't find that funny, I don't want to be your friend. Like it's such a brain fart. It's such a goof that is just like it was after they already threw the ball up once and neither player like the Pelicans didn't want to touch it. He probably should have not launched the ball as far as he did into the crowd, but he did. And it's hilarious. It was just objectively funny. And if you didn't think that way, you need to, you need to do your own personal vibe check. My favorite part was the conversation between Kemba and smart afterward where smart was, it looked like he was trying to explain himself and there was no explanation for that. Nope. Like, like, Oh shit, my bad. That, but I don't, I don't know what he was trying to explain, but I just enjoyed that. There actually was some sort of back and forth between those two guys. You just, you do have to laugh that one off because Marcus smart. Yes. He can shoot a bad shot or several on certain occasions, but he's typically outside of that, a very smart basketball player. He's not a guy who's going to forget time and score and, and all that. So the one time he did it, it, it reminded me of one time, my cousin, he, I went to see him play baseball. He was like 10 or 11 years old and he was leading off third base and they threw it to third base and he didn't, he just like stayed in his lead and the third baseman just caught it, like walked over and, and tagged him out. Picked off third by the pitcher or the catcher? By the pitcher. Oh, and, wow. And and my aunt was like, oh, that happened again. That, that happens pretty <laughs> often. <laughs> Regularly getting picked off third. And, and I was sitting there like, damn, damn, Mike, you got you to gotta stop falling asleep on the base pass, my man. What was but Mike the, looking at if not the pitcher? He was just chilling over there on third. <laughs> Um, but this isn't a regular occurrence for smart. It's just something that happened and, and the willingness to make the heave. That's, that's another underrated part of that. He's, he's Mr. Heave and 0.3 seconds left. He wasn't going to just hold the basketball. A normal person in that situation would have just held it, waited for the shot clock to go off, but not Marcus smart. Marcus smart was, if there was a chance for him to salvage a possession, he was going to do that. It That's just turned right. out he didn't have to salvage the possession. More positive vibes. He was so interested in impacting winning that he heaved the ball. Now, did it turn out to be a colossal mistake? Yes, but the man was trying to win. Um, my second pick, the fans are back. Were you at the game um, last night? Is it that your first the appearance? Kid, the kid is back, too. Yeah, that was my first appearance. Give us your impressions uh, of being in the garden. <laughs> Do you have to be uh, up on level nine like the rest of us, or did you get that fancy corner no, seat? I, I'm not a peasant. I'm not a peasant. I got the the section 19. Um, right. I thought right there was an the email Celtics saying tunnel. that everyone had to be on level nine. So I thought, but who you were you were quoting some fans during the game. So then I figured it out. But what was your impression? Is this your first game seeing the Celtics live this year? Yeah i i didn't I didn't go for a while just because I didn't want to see my parents and stuff. Um, but they've got did want to see your parents, and that's why you didn't go. I did want to see my parents. Yeah. Um, and there was no, like, we do all Zoom calls. There's not much benefit to going to the games. But now fans are back, so you can actually feel the environment, get some some extra detailed background information. So there's there's actually a use now to going to the games, which is why I started going. Um, but, yeah, fans, fans were ready to turn on the Celtics <laughs> very quickly. Um, there were some calls about how they suck. There were some calls about you know this is how you welcome the Celtics back to the the fans back to the arena there was I love it because it's the what is it only 2500 fans so these are like the probably the top level season ticket holders these are like the most loyal fans that there are no ready to ready to throw them under the bus uh night one that's Boston baby and then Evan Fournier got like smattered scattered booze scattered booze a smattering but scattered um booze after his second air ball of the night like there were there was there was a little booze but then the comeback started and the crowd i didn't think 
2,500 or however many fans could actually make a difference. The crowd was pretty loud. Like it was, there was a stretch there in the fourth quarter when the Celtics were coming back that the fans were pretty loud, much louder than I expected they could be given how empty the arena was. So it was fun. It, it was just fun to be. I haven't really done anything in a year. So that was one of the most exciting things I've done in, in a long time, just going to a basketball game. And it was it was really great to be there. And you know, I six six more home games for the Celtics. You can you can see how fans will probably be an advantage for them. I thought, especially during the comeback, they helped give the team some energy. Another reason why the vibes are changing. All right, give me your your second and third picks for the six pack. Ah, uh, I, I was totally unprepared for the six pack today. Nor- and we do it literally every episode. Normally, I have I have my picks ready. And there's three games. Normally, we have like anything. You could do um, Moses Brown. I mean, you could Moses talk about Brown Mo getting Wagner. a contract after destroying the Celtics for a half was fantastic. They. They let him get what what was, was it like 17 18 points? And 18? In, I think it yeah. was 17 points and 19 rebounds in the first half to a two-way contract guy. And then the Thunder were like, Yeah, we're gonna sign you to this contract, pal. Um it, it worked for Lou Dort. Lou Dort did the same thing, and now Dort's an animal. Dort is an animal. So I'm gonna go with Fournier's second air ball. <laughs> I just thought that was the first one was you know. Pretty open shot, just just missed it. You know, sometimes that happens. You see that from time to time. The second one was just uh, epically bad. It was just one of the worst misses you'll see. Um, kind of like off balance. Tried to do some shit he probably shouldn't have tried to do. Missed everything by a substantial amount. And. I liked Brad Stevens said, you know, I just told him after the game, this is going to be a small blip. And the Celtics should hope so because that was – he he did nothing. He did nothing. He's a very good, talented player for whatever reason, whether it was because he had so many COVID tests or because he had to move to a new place after spending his entire career in Orlando – whether it was just he's not used to playing with his new teammates, he's not used to playing with talented guys and kind of taking a backseat of sorts to higher options because he's really been the best scorer in Orlando for years now. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, it was bad. And, it, and it, it was bad enough that it was it was comically bad, but I do think he'll end up being a very good addition once he settles in. He's going for 30 against the Mavericks. You heard it here first, folks. Um, Some honorable mentions. Mo Wagner just being high-energy guy, knocking down some threes off the bench. We'll get Fred Katz in here for a full Wagner breakdown some point soon. Um, we got to give a shout-out. Well, not really a shout-out, but just like Chris Middleton's a demon against the Celtics. He just knocked down some crazy shots that um, he's just like – it's, it's so frustrating to play against him. Luckily, the Celtics were able to pull through in that game, but he just does some crazy stuff against the Celtics. I can't explain it other than um, it's witches, it's devil magic. I don't like it. But I still have one more pick, don't I? I thought you went with uh, Morris Brown and that uh, air ball. Oh, but go oh, ahead. Oh, no, Moses Brown, first of all. Like, why keep on messing that up? I just want to call him Morris Day. Well, the time. That wasn't a pick. I was just noting that that was fantastic. Um, all right, pick away. But if you steal my pick right now, I'm going to be furious. I'm going to go with da- Daniel Tice's Chicago Bulls debut. Ooh, shout out to the Tice man. I thought that was – Chicago fans started getting excited. Because I, I don't think when, – when, when you see Daniel Tice is over, you look at his stats probably if you're a casual fan, you haven't watched much Celtics over the last few years. You're like, ah, this guy, he averages like nine points, five rebounds. What's he going to do? Two blocks a game, baby. Danny, two blocks. He went over there, Lord, <laughs> immediately supplanted Laurie Markkinen in the Bulls rotation. Like, second half, he, he was subbed in before Lowry. So – it's just Tice doing Tice things, just just showing up, immediately making an impact, even though his stat line, I looked at it at the end of the game, and it was 
it was a typical Danny Tice, Danny Tice, Danny, Danny, <laughs> Danny Tice line, which was not very powerful. Although the coach obviously felt he made an impact. He's the perfect backup center. Like he did a damn good job as the Celtics starting center. And I think he worked with kind of their smaller lineup, but to bring in Vooch for them and then to bring in high energy Daniel Tice to like give you 20 minutes a game, I think is uh, absolutely fantastic. He also did not pick up a foul in his which, debut. Which makes me think that maybe it wasn't a war on Tice. Maybe it's a war on the Celtics. And we saw some questionable officiating in that Pelicans game, so who knows. Um, but good for Daniel Tice. I'm sad for uh, Fongos. If anyone knows him from Celtics Writer on Twitter, Fongos is the, the biggest Daniel Tice fan there is. He makes uh, great videos uh, for Daniel Tice. Go check him out. Um, but for my final pick in the potable six-pack, I'm shocked he didn't pick it, Jay. Kemba Walker hit a three-point shot from about 29 feet, extended his range, and I knew you as soon as it went through, you must have been smiling. You must have said, that's the ticket, baby. That's what you need to do. Kemba Walker from well beyond the arc, uh, just listening to Jay King and um, channeling his inner Kaizen for just improving incrementally as the season went on. You got to give me credit for that, honestly. I did. I think I immediately gave you credit on Twitter. So did uh, everyone else. There's no one else who deserves credit for that. That has been my my role and mine alone. And I don't think there's that anything else mattered. When Kemba caught that ball, he was thinking anything is potable is going to like this shot. And, and it went through. Nothing but net. And so... You got to give Jay King credit for kind of inspiring Kemba to make the deep three. You got to give me credit for maintaining just positivity in this uh, horrendous landscape of uh, sports takes that we live in. And so we we thank you guys for giving us credit and we're going to give you credit for listening. We appreciate you guys listening to this show. If you enjoy it, please subscribe, rate it five stars, tell a friend, do all of those things. And thank you for listening to this episode of... And I think I spot up! Oh!